Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Let's get there. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10. Um, we're in verse 6. Uh, we're going to talk about Saul a bit today. He's um, When I think of Saul, I think of him as he he's, was raised up to fail. He was our example to, to not make it. And I believe the Bible does contradict this thinking. It's, it's a different story for Saul. And I don't think Saul was ever intended to fail. God never wanted Saul to crash and burn. He... Uh, he set him up for greatness. And today I want to explore his life a bit. And it says in Scripture, this, this verse, it says, And the Spirit of this is Samuel speaking to Saul. said, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. The Spirit of the Lord is going to be on you, and you're going to be another man. That sounds like he's set up for success. God wanted something to happen in Saul's life. Today we're going to explore that and see why he didn't quite make it. Because that, that, that's what's valuable in our lives, to know how do we make it. I want to make it to the end. Amen. So let's, let, let's learn from the four failures of Saul today. But let's pray that the Lord would bless our, this message. Lord God, we thank you for all you've done. Thank you for your many blessings and your faithful promises to us. I pray, O oh God, that you would work in our hearts and lives, O oh Lord. Make us good ground, O oh God, that your word would come into our hearts and bear much fruit, O oh Lord. Let the fruit of the word come forth from us and from this church. We bless your name, O oh God, and we thank you for all you've given us. Receive all glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said... Amen. 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 You can be seated today. The rule of Saul was not doomed to failure from the beginning. It was prepared and established by God on the hopes and the, and the, the desire of God that something good would come of it. He, God, I don't believe God establishes people to fail. I don't believe that he's ever called anyone to failure. He's never asked anyone to serve him without ever accomplishing anything in his kingdom. I, I believe God has plans for each and every person. And that's signified in the anointing that is poured out upon us and the anointing that was poured out upon Saul. That was a representation of the acceptance of God. I accept you, Saul. I call you out, Saul. I want you to be used, Saul. It was a special anointing that transcended so many relationships of the era. It, his anointing became more valuable than his self. 
Whenever David was, was, was being chased by him and he had the opportunity to kill Saul, it was the anointing that stayed the hand of David. Not, not the man. Not the man. It was the anointing of God. And, and that lesson we can take is that sometimes the anointing will keep you longer on the throne than your actions. Sometimes the call of God will keep you in a place of grace longer than you deserve to be. And Saul was a beneficiary of that, and I'm thankful for that. God always gives that moment and that period for us to repent and to come to him and, and to change direction and to change course. And that was the blessing of the anointing on Saul. He, he did good things when he was anointed. He, he went and he, he destroyed the Ammonites. And he also showed mercy when people said, you know those people that grumbled against you, Saul. Now's the time you can kill them and everyone will, be, will rejoice. And he said, no, that's, that's not how we're going to do things. We're going to have mercy. We're going to have patience. We're going to have a kingdom of unity. He destroyed a garrison of the Philistines, and he, he, was, he was out with the prophets prophesying. If, if you look in the scripture we just read, down a few more verses, it says that God gave him a new heart filled with the Spirit. He was ready to go. He was ready to conquer. He was ready to make, make waves in the kingdom with his anointing and his calling and the spirit of God. How much, how much does that sound like us today? Anointed, called, filled with the spirit, ready to conquer the world. And I believe God has called us to that for purpose. And I believe God has called for, for blessing to this world and bless family. I believe that. I believe God has called us and strengthened us for purpose and blessing. But, but Saul deviated. I, I see that the longer I've ministered, the more I have seen that there is that, that initial salvation and that initial blessing. But after a few months, it, there's that deviation, that, that lack of direction, that change of attitude and mentality where the day after they receive the Holy Ghost, they're like, well, I'm ready to have a, a healing ministry. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to knock doors. I'm ready to cast out devils. And then a few weeks later, it's like, well, it's Bible study night. I'm probably not going to be able to make it. it there's that, that shifting there. And, and, and it, 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 we're human, and I understand. And because we're human, we've got to be aware of it. That there is a battle for our anointing. There's a battle for our calling that wants to strip us of it so that we lose direction. So that we lose allegiance to the one that anointed us. We are made new creatures in Christ. We are all the old things are passed away and we are promised a newness of life in Christ. We're promised a new anointing, a new direction from the old life. And we can overcome. But we must avoid the things that Saul did not avoid. There were four things, I believe, that, that, it, that just changed the direction of Saul forever. He, he, he just couldn't fight against, the, the, I guess, the momentum of his decisions. The first thing was Saul desired to please people more than God. After Saul's attack on the Philistine garrison, the lords of the Philistines gathered together, and Scripture says that they had... 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and as many people as could be numbered as, as a sand on the seashore. And they were ready to come against Israel. It was a, a massive force that was numerically and technologically superior to the armies of Israel. The people were distressed. It says that 
in 1 Samuel 13 and 7 that some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead as for Saul. He was yet in Gilead and the people followed him trembling. They were shaking. They were worried. They were nervous. There was, there was a, a worry in their soul. I think all of us could, going through this COVID, you can understand we're, we're kind of trembling. We're kind of shaking. We're kind of worried. What, what's the future hold? For us, it was always, when's the border going to open? Are we locked down? Are we, are we, what's going to happen to us? That, that's a worry. What's going to happen to us? And Samuel, we gave the promise to Saul. We all know, wait on me. I'll come in seven days. And we're going to offer a sacrifice to God. Right. The end of the seven days, we know Samuel did not arrive. And the people began to leave. Saul was faced with the dilemma, wait for Samuel and risk losing the confidence of the people or sacrifice now and disobey God. It was at this moment the motivations of Saul were checked and his direction began to change. Why do I do what I do? Why do I pursue the anointing? Why do I pursue the calling? Why do I sit on the throne of leadership? Was it for God or was it for man? And Saul failed that first test. He began to step into realms that was not intended for him. And he began to step into realms of disobedience. Not disobeying God outright and directly, but just challenging the timing of God. Challenging the will of God ever so slightly. Not enough to destroy and break the relationship, but just enough to test the waters of disobedience to see if he could disobey to this level and retain the anointing. That's a dangerous place that Saul found himself in. It's a dangerous place for the believer to see how far we can go and still retain the anointing. How far can we go and still sit on the throne of blessing and leadership? How far can we go and still retain our image in front of the people? God gave him a command of restraint. And Saul said no. He gave him a call of wait on me. And Saul said, I've got this. He, was, he ignored the voice of God and followed the opinions of others instead of waiting on the favor of God who gave him the anointing in the first place. We've got to understand that we are called to fulfill the will of God and not the will of man. We cannot be dictated to from the world. We can't be dictated to from our families to say you can serve God this way, but not this way. We owe our allegiance to the one that anointed us. We owe our allegiance to the one that has blessed our bodies and blessed our souls, who has promised redemption and eternal salvation we owe it to him and we cannot walk away not for man not for relationship not for government not for anything that would work against the call of God let me tell you something give me Jesus but take the whole world give me salvation but take the riches of the world I just need a move of God in me I need to retain the anointing, not so you'll clap for me, but so that my soul will be saved, so that my children can inherit something from God. I'm not going to listen to the world and work for their approval, but I'm going to work for the command of God, pursuing his will. 
Oh, church, we need it. In this hour, we need to know where our blessing comes from. Hallelujah. Blessing doesn't come from the world, but God facilitates your miracles. God facilitates your blessing. You don't need to look and worry around what's going to happen to me because God has called you to this moment. God has called you to this moment. Don't abandon him now. Oh, so many blessings have come through my life. I know so many blessings have come through yours. Now's the time to listen to God again. Listen to God again. Wait a little bit more again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saul thought he, I've done a few good things, so maybe I can have some leeway now. But no, it was a perpetual and consistent following of the will of God that was required. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will not judge our walk with him based on the constant shifts in culture. But upon the word and the command that he has given to our lives. Situations and circumstances change constantly. But our standing before God does not. His anointing and calling does not. His unchanging truths do not change. Amen. Amen. We are Christians regardless of where we are. Time of year, we're the same. If we, if we want to retain the anointing, we retain our allegiance. We retain our dedication. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. Oh, it looks like people are wavering around me. Seems like people are trembling. People are afraid. He is faithful that promised. If he said, I've promised you victory, I'm, he's faithful. But it's not happening in the time frame I thought. He is faithful that promised. So hold fast. Don't let go. Continue your walk with God. Amen. Amen. The next failure of Saul was that he placed his own values above God's values. And he had a life of spirit of self. I, I thought about this all morning. I still don't know the best way to say it. But he thought of the best, the spiritual self edification. That doesn't even make sense. But his spiritual life was the, for to glorify himself and not to glorify God. He stood before the people proclaiming spirituality, proclaiming religion, proclaiming dedication, but it was to elevate himself in front of the people while the victory of God was forfeit. And also while the next generation was forfeit so that Saul could be elevated in his own spirituality. My goodness. It says in 1 Samuel 14, 24, God had grant, but before we get to that, God had given a victory to Israel. Jonathan and his armor barrel had, had challenged the garrison of the Philistines there, and they began to fight. And it says in just a matter of moments, he slaughtered 20 people, and the Philistines began to run away. And was, the Israelites heard about this, and Saul said, let's go. Let's chase him. Let's pursue. It says, and the men of Israel, though, they became distressed. 
For Saul had adjured the people, saying, Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. Think, think it wasn't so that God gets the victory, so that Israel gets the victory, so that I may have the victory over my enemies, so you're going to fast. You're fighting the battle, but you're going to fast. God gave the victory. Jonathan was pursuing. The people were pursuing. He said, wait, wait, wait. This is getting too God-centered. This, is, this, this dedication and this victory is taking too much attention away from me. Let's all stop for a moment, swear ourselves to a fast, and then we'll pursue so that my enemies will be destroyed. Well, Jonathan didn't hear this, and as he was chasing the people, he saw some honey, and as he runs, he grabs it, and he says, mm, that's good. And he said, oh, that all of Israel would see that, and their eyes would be opened, that we can go and pursue the victory. And Saul, when he hears about this, and he feels a disconnect from God, he asked God what happened, and he said, Jonathan ate some food. And Saul said, well, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill my son. And the people of Israel had more sense than Saul that day. For it says that they saved Jonathan and kept him from the wrath of his father. You see, Saul was ready to create an atmosphere that glorified himself and glorified his image at the sacrifice of victory and the sacrifice of his children. He was ready to change all of his kingdom so that he could be glorified, but he was going to sacrifice the victory. Let me tell you something, church. We need to check the atmosphere of our homes. We need to check the atmosphere of our hearts and say, is my atmosphere sustaining the victory in my life? It's not about me. It's not about my glory, but it's about receiving the victory that God has promised to me. I'm going to cast out everything that destroys my victory. I'm going to cast out everything that sacrifices my children to the gods of the world. I'm going to pursue my victory at the cost of all else at the cost of all else I must pursue the victory so often we get wrapped up in things we get wrapped up in ideologies and events and things that, that we, it becomes our life we get wrapped up in things that edify and lift us up so much at the end of the day God said the, the enemy's running from you what are you doing why are you messing around with this? Why are you messing around with things that are taking you further from the victory? Why, why, why do we do stuff like that? Or say, I'm getting, I'm getting my, an image into my mind. I'm getting an, a, a, a habit of edification, of self-edification. Fasting wasn't the problem, but it was the purpose of the fasting. It was the purpose of the declaration. If it would have been to glorify God, I do believe God would have allowed victory to happen regardless. But it was the wrong purpose. It was the wrong heart. You, you, you cannot please God and please your soul at the same time. Please that flesh at the same time. You can't say, I'm going to be elevated in the eyes of the world, yet sacrifice the things of God. 
and, and I hate to see it because it was going to the next generation. That, that sin was not enough to destroy Saul. But he put his own son's head on the chopping block because he didn't conform to his ideology. Jonathan was saying, I want more. I want more. I have the initiative for more. And he was going to be sacrificed for it. My goodness, let us never tell our children, you can't do that. You can't pray more. You can't be at church more. You can't be a little bit more dedicated than you need to be. Oh, my. Oh, my. I, I believe Saul was a bit convicted when he saw the zeal of Jonathan. And he said, I, I can't deal with it. And he was ready to destroy him. Oh, let's preserve the next generation. Let's be selfless for the next generation. Let's, let's let go some of our pretense and our ego and our pride and, and say, I, I, it's more important that my, my kids are in church. It's more important that my kids are saved. It's more important. It's more valuable than my image in front of people, than what I can brag about to my friends. It's more important that I see them in the pew next to me and at the altars praying, pursuing the victory of God. I want my kids to transcend me in my dedication. I want them to be greater than me. I want them to do more than me. But they can't do it if I build an atmosphere of defeat. They can't do it if I build an atmosphere and an e about my ego. I've got to build a house with a foundation on God. Pursuing His victory in all things. Oh God, help us. Help us, God. Make our spirituality about you and our relationship. Not about puffing ourselves up. Not about lifting our egos beyond what they should be. Help us, God. Saul didn't know what to kill. God commanded Saul to destroy the Amalekites because they had worked against Israel during the time of Exodus. Oh, he destroyed all the people. He saved King Agag and the best of the animals. It was then that God totally rejected Saul because this was an outright contradiction. God will have mercy on little nuanced sin. I've seen it. He'll have mercy. He'll have grace, giving you time to repent. But that moment you proclaim an opposite to the will of God, God doesn't like that. He, he said, this is it. This is the moment. And Saul, it says in 1520, it says, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. Seems like he's compensating a bit. Yeah. Look what I've, I've obeyed everything. And I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, sheep and oxen. This, this is a pattern of sin. This is, this is a little bit of a sidetrack. This is a pattern of sin. When you're caught in sin, you never take responsibility. The, remember, these are the people that Saul served. He chose them over God. But when it came down to it, when his head was on the chopping block, he said, it was their fault. I tried my best. Oh, They, they, they took the sheep. I didn't want them to, but you know the people. He... he he had an issue there. That's a, that's a pattern of sin, though. Be, be wary of that. 
He said, the chief things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And he tried to spiritualize his sin, another pattern of sin. And Samuel said, hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Saul didn't have a problem killing Jonathan. It took the strength of Israel to stop him. Later we see he wouldn't have a problem killing David. He wanted to. And David had given him victory. Anything that gave Saul victory, he had no problem killing. Because Saul was not in it for the victory. He was in it for the glorification. He didn't care who won. He just wanted to be noble. He wanted the honor. He wanted to be looked at. And he didn't know what to kill. He tried to kill the wrong things. And to me, one of the saddest things, and this is the fourth point, is that Saul never repented. You know, he never repented. The only thing that kind of symbolized there was something close to repentance was in 1 Samuel 15 and 30. He acknowledged it. He said, I have sinned. Oh, this bothers me so bad. I have sinned, yet honor me now. Yeah. I, I've, I, you know, this, there was a, a lady at, at one of our daughter work, or one of the places I, I, I preach at, there was a daughter work, and she came to me and said, Pastor, I've got something I need to talk to you about. I said, what is it? He said, she said, there's, there's a man that I've fallen in love with, and I, I need God to not look for a few months. And I said, well, that's not how it works. I said, you just, you just don't do that. You need to not do the sin you know you're getting ready to do. Well, she didn't come to church for a few months. But, but that, 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 that's Saul. That's the Saul attitude. I've sinned, but, but honor me now. I pray. That, but not even, he didn't even want Samuel's honor. Think of this. Before the elders of my people, let the people see how much you like me. Let, let them think everything's all right. This too will pass. I, I was able to, to call that fast and almost kill Jonathan, and that, that, that passed by. And, and I was able to offer the sacrifice, and God overlooked this. Surely this too will be okay. Let's just, let's just, let's just ignore it. He said, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. I may worship the Lord, thy God. It's almost like, I don't know how he meant that, uh, but something separated in his soul where he knew he was no longer where he needed to be. And he had traded that valuable, precious anointing for the honor of the people. And you know what Samuel did? He said, okay, I'll give you what you want. And he went and he sacrificed with him, and they honored him before the people. Saul got what he wanted in the end, and that's the lesson of Saul. You will get what you want. He got exact. The anointing didn't matter. The relationship didn't matter. 
The victory didn't matter. He just wanted the position. He wanted the elevation of status. But contrast this with his successor, David. In Psalms 139, 23, when David had sinned, he said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. What a difference. Search me, O God. The relationship is more. David was criticized in front of the people, but he was glorified in front of God. He was exalted by the hand of God. And David knew that his relationship and his anointing was more valuable than the honor of the people more valuable than self-edification, than being able to brag in front of others. He was able to glorify God. That was the fall of Saul, not being able to transcend those things, those, those faults and failures. And as we know, God gave him everything new. God gave him so much blessing. Would you stand with me today? The four failures of Saul are a warning, a warning to the, to the Christian. We have everything Saul had, and if not more, we got so much. But God will give us what we want. I want a relationship. I want anointing. I, I want to see my kids worship with me. That's what I want. That's what I want. So I will pursue that. The second message, this came to me as I was praying for this service. Some promises from Medora. Jesus is your cup that will not run dry. Amen. You can go back again and again. He will sustain your backslidden family and he will bring them back. He is the well in which you will drink from and never thirst again. You can go back again and again. He will call you to heavenly places. You will be sought out. You will be a city that is never forsaken. You are unshackled unchained released you are released you are released you are released from the past you are released from sin you are released from brokenness hear the word of the Lord you are released you are unshackled return to the well return to the cup that does not run dry let God manifest himself in you you can make it you've been anointed you've been called you've been unchained you've been chosen you're going to make it just trust in God. He's going to lead you through. He's going to make a blessing for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
God's going to do a work. Just let it happen in your life. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.